thanks. Dave, thanks. Thank you, thank you. I am so happy to be here at Highland. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of this morning. Now, I want you to turn to the person on your right. Turn to the person on your right, and with all the sincerity you can muster, I want you to say to them, you look good this morning. You look good this morning. You look good. All right, that was pretty good. Now, turn to the person on your left. Turn to the person on your left. Say to them, thanks for sitting next to me. Thanks. They could have sat anywhere they are sitting next to you. Now, if you have a person right in front of you, gently pat them on the back and say to them, this morning your hair is perfect. Your hair is perfect. It's perfect. Uh, allow me to pause right now and apologize to those who have no hair. Let me apologize. <laughs> now, turn around to the person behind you. Turn around to the person behind you. Say to them, you look just like my mom. You look just like my mom. Good old mom. Good old mom. This morning, I want to talk to you about marriages that stand the test of time. And I'm going to be talking to married couples, husband and wife. But I want to say to you, this is applicable to all relationships. If you're here as a young person, your relationships with your friends, this totally applies. You're singles, this applies. You're widowed, this applies. I want to talk to you about what makes for a relationship that really flourishes. And I'm going to suggest three things. Number one is extravagant love. Number one is extravagant love. If you have a Bible and you want to turn with me, turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. And this is Jesus Christ speaking to us. He says this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Isn't that interesting? You are not identified as a Christ follower because you have good theology, although good theology is important. You are not identified as a Christ follower because you show up for church, although showing up for church is important. You're not identified as a Christ follower because you give money, but giving money is important. No, no, no. You are identified as a Christ follower by the way you love one another. And look, I'm all for loving China, and I'm all for loving Korea and South America. I'm all for loving all these places. And thank you for your outreach, and thank you for the difference you're making around the world. But I want to remind you that love begins with individuals. 
It begins with your husband, and it begins with your wife, and it begins with your children, and it begins with your parents, and it begins within the body of Christ. Jesus is calling you to love the person on your right. Jesus is calling you to love the person on your left. Now, that was probably kind of easy because we're sitting with friends unless we're on the aisle. That's a little more threatening. Jesus, this will be a little harder. Jesus is calling you to love the person behind you. Jesus is calling you to love the person in front of you. And by the way, for all of you in the front row, that's me. Jesus is calling you to love individuals and to love one another with an extravagant love. Bonnie and I have been married now for uh, 40 years. I know you probably guessed me in my 30s, but no. Bonnie and I have been married for 40 years. And one of the main components of extravagant love is a commitment to one another as husband and wife. I say to my wife, I will never leave you. I will never leave you. Now, I've had men who have come up to me who have said this. You can't say that. You can't make a comment like that. You don't know what's going to happen six weeks from now. You don't know what's going to happen six months from now, six years from now. You can't make a comment like that. And I say to them, you are absolutely wrong. Because my love for Bonnie is not based upon the way I feel. See, love isn't primarily a gushy, gooey, tingly, goosebumply feeling. That's not love. Love's a commitment. Love's something you choose to do. And do I always feel like I love Bonnie? No. No. Does Bonnie ever do things that upset me? Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. She can hit those hot buttons. Yes. But in the same way, do I ever do things that upset Bonnie? <laughs> no. What? No. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. But my love for Bonnie has little to do with the way I feel. My love for Bonnie is based upon my commitment to Jesus Christ, my character as a man, and my word as my bond. And because of that, I will never leave her. You need to commit to love one another. You need to commit to love your husband. You need to commit to love your wife, no matter how you feel. And your children need to see that commitment. This isn't just about you. This is about you leaving a legacy and passing on this kind of truth to future generations. I have five grandchildren. Four children, five grandchildren right now. And I want my grandchildren to see my love and my commitment for Bonnie. And I want my children to continue to see my love and my commitment to Bonnie. Extravagant love. Extravagant love. Seeking to meet each other's needs. Men, 
Your wife needs to know that she is loved and cherished by you. And men, I want to call you back to being gentlemen. Being a gentleman is like a dying art today. And I want to call you back to serving your wife. This morning, when we're all done and you leave church, I'd like to encourage you to walk around to her side of the car and open the door for her. I'd like you to help your wife on and off with her coat. If you take her out to eat and you're actually in a restaurant where the chairs move. Some of you have never experienced that. But if you're actually in a restaurant where the chairs move, men, walk around to her side of the table, reach out and grab the chair. Women, at this point, don't look at your husband and say, hey, that's my chair, okay? (laughs) Pull the chair out from her. Allow her to step in, push it back gently, and seat her. Men, be gentlemen. That's a little thing, but that says volumes. That says, I cherish my wife. That says, I love my wife. That says, I am honored to serve my wife. Do that. And begin to do that today. And I guarantee you, every woman in that restaurant will notice you being a gentleman, and every woman in that restaurant will think to herself, I wish my husband treated me like that. When I'm coming into a mall sometimes, there'll be some women behind me, I'll open the door for them and let them go first. And one time, this only happened once, one time I had a woman look at me and say this to me, You do not need to open this door because I'm a woman. Hmm. Hmm. So I looked back at her and I said, ma'am, I'm not opening this door because you're a woman. I'm opening this door because I'm a gentleman. And that's what I want you to do, men. I want you to be gentlemen. I want you to show your wife extravagant love. In the same way, women... I want you to show your husband's extravagant love. Try this today after we're done in this service. Taking your right hand love, taking your left hand respect, reach it out to your husband and say, if you could only choose one, which would you choose? And I want you to know there are a significant number of men, myself included, we will choose respect over love women you expect us to love you unconditionally right sure now let me ask you this women why do you put conditions on respect why do you want your husband to reach a certain level before you respect him uh uh-uh. uh no no you respect him unconditionally And let me tell you something, you are casting vision for him. You are speaking into him the kind of man you want him to be. You know how much you long to hear, I love you? A man wants to hear, I believe in you, I am proud of you, you are a great man, you are a hero of the faith. 
That's what we were created to be, men. And we want you as women to believe in us. We want you as women to affirm us. Can I just say, women, when you nag us, you disrespect us. When we're in the car and you're saying, why don't you stop and ask for directions? 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 Because we were born for this kind of adventure, okay? We're pathfinders. Just sit back, relax. You're seeing parts of the world you would have never seen before. <laughs> this morning, I want you to show each other extravagant love. Characteristic number two is generous forgiveness. Number two, generous forgiveness. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13. It says this, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Starting right now, I want you to treat your spouse the way Jesus treats you. Or let me take it a step further. Starting now, I want you to treat your spouse the way you want Jesus to treat you. Do you want Jesus to understand you? Then understand them. Do you want Jesus to love you? Then love them. Do you want Jesus to forgive you? Then forgive them. Look, when's the last time you came to Jesus and you said, Jesus, I am so sorry, and he said to you, get lost? Never. Never. Do you mean we treat others less than Jesus treats us? I mean, let's get real here for a second. Nobody needs forgiveness more than I need forgiveness. Nobody needs forgiveness more than you need forgiveness. And let me tell you something. You do not have the high ground. You do not have the high ground. You want to compare your mistakes with anybody? Don't compare them with your spouse. Compare them with Jesus. We're all in the same boat. We all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. We all fall short. So I want you to forgive one another. For you to refuse to forgive, and you've heard this before, this is like trying to hurt your enemy by drinking poison. All it does is kill you. And it makes you a cold, hard individual when you refuse to forgive. Forgiving sets the prisoner free. And by forgiving, you realize all along you have been the prisoner. And the enemy has used this to control and manipulate you. And does it cost you? Yes, it costs you. It costs you being able to get revenge. It costs you having something to use against them. Because to truly forgive is to let go. 
To truly forgive is to set somebody free from a debt they owe you. And then let me ask, who do you need to apologize to? Who do you need to apologize to? Who do you need to go to and say to, I'm sorry, I was wrong, will you please forgive me? And can I just suggest, if you haven't done that in a while, it's not because you haven't blown it, it's because you've been too proud to admit it. Men, when's the last time you apologized to your wife? When's the last time you just humbled yourself and you said, I'm sorry, I was wrong, would you please forgive me? Let me remind you, that is not weakness, that is strength. Women, when's the last time you apologized to your husband? Children, when's the last time you apologized to your parents? Parents, when's the last time you apologized to your children? We need right relationships. And right relationships are a result of forgiveness, of setting one another free and doing it in a generous way. We can forgive because we are greatly forgiven. And then, once that happens, we begin to be proactive rather than reactive. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. It says this. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Meaning, not only are you going to choose to forgive this person, but you're going to respond to their insult with a blessing. So I'm gone traveling and speaking almost every weekend. Uh, I have the same schedule as an airline pilot. I'm on the road speaking 12 to 15 days a month, but then that means I'm home and I have off, days off. I don't have an office or anything. I go into 15 to 18 days off. So it's pretty nice. Well, I'm home one weekend and Bonnie comes to me. This is years ago when our kids were little. And she says to me, honey, let's go to Ikea. Now, I had never heard of Ikea back then. I assumed it was a small little Swedish gift shop and we'd be in and out of there in about 20 minutes. So I'm like, sure, we can go to Ikea. So we get a babysitter. Bonnie and I load in the car. We drive into Schaumburg, Illinois, and you're smarter than I am. Here is this ginormous three-story. It's got a restaurant. It ought to have a hotel in it. Swedish everything for the house store. So as we're walking in, Bonnie's famous last words to me are, we don't have to buy anything. <laughs> Four hours later, and three shopping carts, we leave Ikea. And one of the things we bought was a shoe tree. Because we've got four little kids, umpteen pairs of shoes that are spread out all over the entryway. Let's get a shoe tree and we'll put the shoes in the shoe tree. 
So a few weeks go by, and I'm on the road speaking, and I come home, pull into the garage, walk over, open the door, step into the entryway, and there are shoes everywhere. I'm like, why did I spend the longest week of my life, those four hours in Ikea, if we're not going to keep the shoes in the shoe tree? So I drop my bags, I shut the door, and I start up the stairs. My beautiful wife is standing, preparing dinner. She sees me coming. She takes the pot off the burner. She turns, she opens her arms wide, and she says, oh, hi, honey, welcome home. To which I say, Why can't we keep the shoes in the shoe tree? I walk into the entryway. I about twist my ankle. I could break my neck. Why can't we keep the shoes in the shoe tree? To which my wife could have responded, well, what's wrong with you, chubby? Can you no longer bend at the waist? Are these my children or are these our children? Oh, great family speaker, oh great godly man, while you're traveling around the world, I'm stuck at home with these four little kids, maybe every once in a while, you'd like to come off your throne and help us. But she doesn't. My beautiful wife looks at me and she says to me, honey, I am so sorry. I'll go pick up those shoes right now. (laughs) And my wife starts down the stairs. And the Holy Spirit just zings me. And as she heads down the stairs, I reach out and I grab her by the arm and I go, wait, 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 wait. I go, honey, honey. I go, I am so sorry. I go, I was so wrong. To which my godly wife says, I know. (laughs) My wife responded to my insult with a blessing. Do you know what happens when you respond to an insult with a blessing? You smash their expectations. You open them to self-examination. And you release the Holy Spirit to work in that situation. I'm going to ask you to show generous forgiveness to one another. You treat others. You treat your spouse the way you want Jesus to treat you. Extravagant love, generous forgiveness, and number three, enthusiastic encouragement. Enthusiastic encouragement. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5 and verse 11, it says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. I hope that's what you're doing. 
Can I remind you that with your words you bring life or with your words you bring death? Stupidest thing my mother ever said to me. Stupidest thing my mother ever said to me. When I was little, she said, Greg, sticks and stones can break your bones, but words can never hurt you. Really? Really? I'd much rather be hit by a stick. I'd much rather be nailed by a stone. That pain is temporary. Words can hurt a lifetime. You have to be in control of your tongue. Is that humanly possible? No. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You have said some cruel things to your wife. You have said some mean things to your husband. Have you ever made that right? You say to me, Craig, Craig, come on, man. That happened like 10 years ago. They don't even remember it anymore. I'm here to tell you they haven't forgotten a thing. You know why? Because the enemy uses that to accuse you and to say, look at what a poor choice you made. Look at how they talk to you and they don't even care. You need to enthusiastically encourage your spouse. You need to be about speaking life into them. You need to be about building them up. The way you send a message is important. And you can spin it in a positive way or you can spin it in a negative way. For example, what's easier for me to receive? You're never home. Or I miss you. What's easier for me to receive? You're a lousy driver. Or, when I ride with you, it makes me glad I know Jesus. <laughs> How you say something is important. And you know what I want you to do? I want you to think before you speak. Think before you speak. Will you tell me right now in your mind if I had you stand up? Like if I had this uh, gentleman with the uh, lack of hair. And I said to this gentleman, I'm not really going to have you do this. And I say, stand up right now. And I say to you, tell me three things you appreciate about your wife. Just think in your mind, what would those three things be? All you men, think about three things you appreciate about your wife. Wives, think of three things you appreciate about your husband. Now, when this service is over, I want you to tell each other what you appreciate about one another in the presence of your children. I want your children to hear that. I want them to hear their father say, this is what I love about your mother. I want them to hear the mother say, this is what I appreciate about your dad. 
Then I want you to speak life into one another. This past week, how many times with your words have you built up, encouraged, spoke life into, communicated love? How many times have you done that? And then question number two, this past week, how many times have you been sarcastic? Look, I speak two languages fluently. I speak English and I speak sarcasm. But you know what my wife taught me? My wife taught me this. Sarcasm was a wall I hid behind so I didn't have to be vulnerable. That's pretty powerful. So you know what I've done or attempted to do? I've attempted to put sarcasm behind me And I've attempted to just speak life. I want to encourage you to do that. Here's your assignment, another assignment. For the rest of today, I don't want you to say one negative thing about anybody to anybody. Meaning, don't gossip. Don't tear down. Build up. Speak life. I'm going to tell you something that's going to shock some of you. It's going to shock some of you. So take a deep breath. Here we go. Some of you are becoming grumpy. You're becoming grumpy. Some of you are sitting next to a grumpy person. Don't nudge them. That won't help. (laughs) Let me tell you. God has not called you to be grumpy. You do not have the gift of grumpiness. No. God has called you to embrace life and to embrace him. And he's asked you to enthusiastically encourage others. So do that. Every day, every single day, I want you to seek to be a blessing to others. Just do that. Every day, seek to be a blessing to others. What are some things you can do? How about just complimenting people? How about just saying, hey, that's a nice outfit, or uh, hey, those are a great pair of shoes, or I just saw you do that, or thank you for making coffee, or just find something you can thank somebody for. Appreciate other people. How about building up the waiter or the waitress? How about the people that come over to your table? Thank you for serving. Every once in a while, try this. Yeah, it's going to cost you $5, but I think it's worth it. Reach into your wallet when you first sit down. Pull out a $5 bill. Man, I don't have anything less than 100 So pull out. Pull out a $5 bill. And when the waiter or waitress comes up, hand them the $5 bill and say this. This is not your tip. Your tip's going to come at the end of the meal. This is just my way of saying, thank you for serving me. Thank you for doing that. You know what a blessing you would be to others? Let's say you go out today for a really nice meal. So you're sitting in the drive-thru waiting to order. Order your food, and then order a dessert. 
and then pull up to the window, say to the person, take the dessert out of the bag, because if you touch the dessert, they can't do this. They'll take the dessert out of the bag, and then you say to them, now, just hand this to the car behind me, say to them, have a great day, and pass it on. Why don't you just go from here to seek to be a blessing here in Wausau? Why don't you bless your husband? Why don't you bless your wife? Why don't you bless your children and your parents? And then bless others. What is a marriage relationship that really flourishes? What's one that's going to stand the test of time? It's going to be one where there is extravagant love and generous forgiveness and enthusiastic encouragement, building one another up. Let's bow together in prayer. While your heads are bowed, could I ask you some questions? What's the next step you need to take? Love, forgiveness, encouragement. What's the next step you need to take? Holy Spirit, is there anybody these people need to apologize to? Lay that name or face in their mind right now. And then how could you be a blessing today? The only thing that limits you is your creativity and your grumpiness. Let it go, the grumpiness. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that it might be abundant. Receive that in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for my brothers and sisters, and thank you for the privilege of being here at Highland. And I pray, God, you would continue to bless this ministry, and I pray that you would raise these people up for such a time as this. And I pray they would be salt, and I pray they'd be a light, and I pray they would be a blessing to their community, and you would use them in amazing ways. Draw husbands to wives and wives to husbands and draw families together. For I pray and I ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.